0: This episode is sponsored by Efficient Business Solutions, your one-stop shop for technology.
1: All right, Spurs fans, this is for you. Come on, you Spurs. Marcus Fuchs with me, wrapping up the season, talking about transfers and what we see happening next year. So, let's do this. Marcus, um, season's over. We had highs, we had lows, but uh, at this point, we'll take what we can get, right? How you been, buddy? Uh, I've
0: been good. I mean, yesterday was a was a terrible day. Um, it kind of reminded me about all the all the things that people say about being a Spurs fan. But on the Spurs front, I think we entered the season positively. I'm reaffirmed and reassured that we do have the right man for the job. And uh, it needs to be trophy time in the next five years at Tottenham
1: Hotspur. Oh, man, you just said a sentence, but my God, it's so loaded. So let's break it down, right? Um, obviously, from where we were uh, when Jose Mourinho took over to where we are now, uh, is it, a little bit of a difference. And I, I remember on Twitter, people are people just hammering the point of, what is he celebrating? What is he celebrating? It, 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 realistically, you'd think that Europa League is is a decent achievement. I'd say it's a good achievement considering how we started the season, wouldn't you? I think it's a good achievement. I mean,
0: I can remember being at Spurs home when I was younger, and I'd never seen I hadn't seen my team in Europe, and being in Europe was something that was very exciting. I think this is a manager at Porto that won the Europa League, and then the next season won the Champions League. You know, our season was going nowhere. We were 14th to come sixth is relatively impressive. Why not celebrate Spurs in Europe? I mean, it's something we have over Arsenal fans. Still more European trophies. The first British team to win a European trophy. So I think it's something that's quite exciting. So I, I i don't make fun of him. If he goes on and wins the Europa League, he'll be the most successful manager in my lifetime so far. Good luck to him. And that's the attitude we should have. We should be excited about trophies. I just want to make this other point. Pochettino said, I'm only here to win the Premier League and the Champions League. The other cups are, are irrelevant. Now, this is a ridiculous attitude and we have the antithesis of this at the moment with Jose Mourinho. And I know which camp I'd rather be in, I know who I'd rather have as manager in. and that's the reality and Spurs fans might not wish to accept it, might not want to, you know, put mud on the Pochettino era. But now we've got a manager that's going to take every competition seriously. So yeah, of course the Europa League is something to be celebrated.
1: I mean we could use just we, we can we can go a mile down the road and use Arsenal as an example who finished below Spurs you know, ending the year with an FA Cup trophy while finishing wherever in the table is an achievement, isn't it? That's a trophy.
0: No, of course. I mean, the alarming thing is, is since Spurs last won the FA Cup, Arsenal have won it ten times, and there's nothing more depressing than that. I often say, you know, no team does going to Wembley like Spurs, and you know, it's always been magical when I followed the team to Wembley. But actually, I've never seen Spurs in an FA Cup final, and I've been to over four hundred games at Spurs all round Europe. So, you know, would I trade places this season? I'd love to see an FA Cup at Spurs. And I think it's the attitude that really got to me under Pochettino. Um, You know, he played jungmann at left back against Chelsea. That was a disaster. He played Michel Vaughan in the semi-final against Man United. It was a disaster. We lost two times to Crystal Palace. It was a great, great team. We had the best back four, the best striker, some of the best young talents in the league we won nothing and that's the reality so yes we have a manager that's going to take the cup competition seriously but we should also reflect on the fact that we had a great team for four or five years and we didn't win anything
1: so let's talk about our european journey and how it starts and it starts with three qualifying uh uh, matches against probably names that we'll never ever hear again uh unless uh, it's 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 a disaster uh I'll tell you my opinion, you can tell me your opinion. I don't care about the three extra games. I think the three extra games are against teams that you should beat even with the bench. You th- should beat even with the youth. And I think it gets you into a position where you've played three relatively competitive matches or matches that mean something, which adds to your fitness levels eventually. How, how do you see the next three games for qualifying?
0: So I don't have a problem in the fact that I think Spurs' squad should be big enough to, to have the three games. I think you can incorporate it into a preseason. Um I don't see it as such a, a major problem. I think that, you know, it'll be the biggest embarrassment if we didn't end up going through. But to be moaning about three extra games during preseason you know, is ridiculous. I think that it's something that can help us out. You know, we can experiment a bit. I think that it's also an opportunity for Dennis Serkin at left back and Sassignon maybe to play in midfield. You know, players that we're not quite sure about. I think that it's not something we can look negatively at. And you know what? If the pandemic wasn't happening, I'd be straight out there to wherever. Wherever we play and, you know, watching the team. Because, you know, if it's Tottenham Hotspur and we're not too big. To be in the Europa League, and you know, it's exciting, and also I think what an amazing opportunity to take Spurs to countries that have probably never seen us before. You know, what a priv- I find it a privilege to watch Spurs from England and from North London, and I'm fortunate to be close to them. But you know, how lucky if we play the Icelandic team? You know, how lucky? You know, for all those people, we can take Tottenham to a new nation. So no, I don't view it negatively at
1: all. And and plus. Let's be real. You win it. It's a European trophy and you end up playing in the Europe, uh, the European Super Cup. It still holds mustard. And also the fact that if you do win it, and this is a very winnable competition for Tottenham, it, it qualifies you for the Champions League no matter what you do in the league. I mean, obviously you still want to compete, but it still has some prestige to it. Yeah more than some prestige
0: I mean it was interesting so Branislav Ivanovic who played for Chelsea said that one of my biggest achievements there was winning the Europa League and he said in every other country every other team I've played for it holds great prestige just in England we don't get the Europa League I think look at Sevilla they want you know, back to back back to back trophies you know they beat Liverpool I think the Europa League is a fantastic catalyst to do what you want in Porto won the Europa League and then won the Champions League so why not I'm not interested in, I'm not a trophy snob. You know, I'd love to win the Europa League at Spurs. I would, would, you know, be one of the most amazing opportunities. So no, of course the Europa League holds prestige. And this is a team that once upon a time was loving being in Europe and the first British team to win a European trophy. So of course we've got to, you know, take it seriously. And if we win it, Dresden Mourinho is in high acclaim. And just one other point. Every time a British team takes it seriously, they go far Chelsea and Arsenal took it seriously last year. They were the finalists. Fulham took it seriously. A much smaller team than Spurs. They were a finalist. Liverpool took it seriously. They were a
1: finalist. Middlesbrough. United won it. Middlesbrough got to the final. Man yeah. United won it. Chelsea won it when they took it seriously. So, of course, this is a massive, massive opportunity. So, now that we've we've experienced or discussed how Europa is important, and I'll just add one point to you, and if you could disagree, you can. Um it would have been disastrous if Tottenham did not make Europa League because coefficient speaking, it will it's a big hit for you to miss Europe for one season. I mean, look at Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah, they're back in the Champions League again, but their coefficient got hit by, by, a, by a bunch of zeros. So did Manchester United. So did Arsenal to an extent. So it would have been a disaster for us to miss out.
0: I think... That's true. and I think big clubs big clubs play in Europe and big clubs win in Europe. You know, Atletico Madrid won the Europa League. You know, Chelsea have won it. I, I think, you know, we're not too big to be in it. On every single scale the Europa League is, is where, where Spurs are. And also, you know, we, we hear this, oh we've got Champions League players, we have this, we have that. We haven't produced a Champions League season. And that's the reality. We're not in the top four teams in Britain at the and in, in England at the moment. So the Europa League is our level. If we're so good for it, we'll win the Europa League. If we're too good for the competition, we'll win it. So it's no, you know, I hold no disparities about it. I, you know, I wanted to be in Europe. Of course, I want to be in the Champions League more than the Europa League. But this is our level. That's what happens when you lose to Brighton, you lose to Sheffield United, and you don't beat Norwich away. That's exactly what happens.
1: All right. So... Have you had personally enough time now to take a look at the 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 beginning of the Jose Mourinho era at Tottenham? And you, you said at the beginning that, you know, you've you've become or have been and now s- solidified uh, your position that you you are backing him. Um how do you think you've reached t- that decision that you yes, I'm definitely backing Jose? Because of what? So I
0: think so I think the first thing to say, and it was an interesting theory to your American audience, they'll, they'll quite like this, the money ball, they were saying, you know, They said that what you can't do is what the New York Yankees do. You can't just spend $400 being the most expansive baseball team out there because Spurs don't have $400 And in this case, the Oakland Athletics didn't have $400 million. So Spurs have to be something different. It would be ridiculous for Spurs to try and be this expansive and free-flowing football and everything because we're never going to spend like Chelsea and Man City did. So what Spurs have to be is the antithesis of that. We have to play defensive football. We have to give them the ball sometimes. We have to be the Atletico Madrid. We have to be, you know, what Porto were. Sometimes we have to give up possession, hit teams on the counter counter attack. And I think Jose Mourinho has the footballing intelligence to realise what Spurs' position is, and I think that's the way forward for Tottenham. You know, so we had we had record possession in the Champions League final, went nowhere. And I think we're going to do more with the ball under Mourinho. And I also think it's time for trophies, as I said, on a on a macro scale. It's absolutely time for trophies. And this man, wherever he walks, he wins stuff. He won stuff with a terrible Man United team. He won stuff with the Chelsea team that then fell apart. I'm very excited by Jose Verena.
1: You mentioned, you mentioned the whole aspect of um, not being able to spend, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You're in a very good position, even if you're not going to spend, where a player that may be not necessarily a world-class player, but a fringe world-class player, may be interested to come to Tottenham for the simple fact that look at the facilities, look at the brand that they built. Yeah, they didn't make the Champions League next season, but they, they were just in the final. And now that they have Jose Mourinho, it's it, it's one of those things where you, you look at uh, the win against Arsenal, and Jermaine Genius after the game, said that, you know, Even though you won two one, you had thirty or thirty or some odd percent of the of the possession. Spurs supporters aren't going to uh, like that in the stadium. And I actually say the opposite. I mean, yeah, you're not going to probably like the fact that you're not playing possession football and you only have thirty percent possession. But you're going to walk out of the stadium happy that it's 2-1, that you beat your rivals, that you've taken three points, that you've got the job done. Because that's really what it's about, right? At the end of the day, football, yes, it's about watching beautiful football. But at the end of the day, it's about what you're winning and the result of the match at the end, yeah?
0: So a happy camp is a winning camp. That is absolutely true. I don't mind how Spurs do things. I don't believe in this whole... The, be- you know, the beauty, you know, Spurs need to win things. If if we win 10 leagues in a row, then we can start focusing on exactly how we'd win stuff and, you know, are we playing it the right way? And I think also some of the football on De Mourinho has been beautiful. That Bergwin goal against Manchester City, you know, the passes, the array of passes that we were playing against Leicester, it just doesn't involve 60% possession the whole time.
1: That, that, you think, look at the Leicester, Matt, the Leicester goals, I mean... You scored three goals in a matter of minutes. You're not going to be upset as to how you scored them, right?
0: No, hundred percent. I think the first point you made. I'm not saying Spurs shouldn't spend anything. You know, we had record revenues. Spurs should be spending more than we do. But the reality is, we are backed by a country like Manchester City, so we're not going to spend. You know, we're not going to be able to spend our way to, to everything. And I think. You know, Spurs need to be more defensively aware. We can't give away the stupid goals that we do. You know, even in the Champions League final, that Sissoko handball was ridiculous. And I don't personally think that happens on the Mourinho team that's well-drilled. So I think that, you know, the future is bright. You know, I, I agree with the Mourinho appointment. I think that playing defensive football could be the solution. And if we look at where Spurs are, it's very similar to where Atletico Madrid were. You know, breaking into the top two, It's difficult. They aren't the financial powerhouse of Real Madrid and Barcelona. We aren't the financial powerhouse of Man City and Liverpool. But you can challenge, and it's not a reason to just say, oh, let's give up and just try something else. I think Mourinho will bring us to the top level again.
1: So speaking of Sissoko, um, I I saw a lot of rubble, basically, on, on Twitter that people were saying that if they had an opportunity to sell Sissoko, they should, and I'm against that. I actually think that Sissoko has been the consistent rock basically in the position that he plays uh what are your thoughts on sissoko how he basically finished the season and and do you think he should get sold if we got the right price for him so i mean the story
0: of sissoko needs to begin at the beginning um sadio Mane took a tour of the training ground at spurs and spurs didn't pay the wages so in a parallel universe Everything is completely different with Sally and Mane lining up with the Champions League and League at Tottenham Hotspur. Sizoco is unfortunately a limited footballer. He does try, it. you know, he does always try his best, and you know, I, and I think he's he was fantastic in that season. That we got to the Champions League final and should have won Player of the Season in my opinion. However, I personally think Spurs are beyond that and beyond his style. So, if a sensible offer came in and we were going to be prepared to buy the right player, I could see us moving him on. However, we're not really understanding quite what Sissoko has done at Spurs. And I think we brought a player thinking he'd be someone of attacking prowess and actually he's transformed into a good defensive midfielder. He does a really good job. But personally, I see the future as a Hoiberg, Ndombele and La Celso midfield axis. And I don't really see where Sissoko, or Harry Winks for that matter, fits into that. So I think, you know, unfortunately, I was a big Sissoko fan. It is time for Spurs to move on. If he's in and around the squad, that's okay that's not a problem for me but i think a sensible offer and we can reinvest
1: the money that's that's not the worst option for me so speaking of options you have obviously in dombele uh who i mean i'd be generous to even say that he had a poor season uh i'd say that he had a very unlucky season as well uh because of the injuries and then because of the change in managerials uh, uh, managerial jobs which uh, it, by extension changed the tactics of how a match is going to be played Um, and maybe he's not you know as they say a Jose player but we've all seen when he's on the field sometimes that there is sparks of world class in him how how do you translate that or what do you think is going to happen in Dombele because I know Inter is knocking on the door or at least sniffing around to see what they can do
0: we absolutely cannot sell him after one season. I'm someone who has found it all incredibly disappointing. I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh, it's a marvellous season. I think it could be one of those situations where he succeeds somewhere else and, you know, I don't want Spurs to rue the mistake. I love Tottenham but I want to see a non-ballet shine at Spurs. I think that Mourinho's approach might work with him. You know, this tough love approach. He might have a pre-season. He could shine in those three Europa League games that we just discussed. I think that we have to give him another season, we have to give him the opportunity. And he really is an exciting and talented player who can offer something different. And I think signing of Heuberg could unleash his potential and I I just don't think we should sell him this summer at all. I think we'd give him one more season. If it's a disaster then no one can fault giving someone two seasons. But I don't see cutting our losses. I just really don't see the point in doing it at all. So and I'd also say that I'd also say that Mourinho can bring out the best in him. He brought the best out of Makaleli at Chelsea. You know, he's discovered Scott McTominay. I don't see any reason why Jose Mourinho can't bring out the best in him.
1: Uh, those are really two good names of, of players that, you're right, have been discovered basically by Jose or gotten the best out of him, really. Um Moving on to some, I mean, Hoiberg's uh, transfer, I think is about eminent at this point. I think both teams want to get the job done and they're probably going to get the job done. I'll move out away from that. And I'll throw at you that what I know from sources uh, close to Spurs or inside Spurs actually, is that a conversation has been had uh, about stones coming to Spurs and the, the, my understanding from the source is that they're not necessarily far off from agreeing, but there hasn't been more of an aggressive move other than feeling out the waters what what is what what have you heard on your end and what do you think about the potential of a stones coming to spurs i
0: haven't heard much from the john stones one um, at the moment from from my my, my your sources not not that there any touch on your sources unfortunately but I do think that John Stones is a good signing I think that bring out the defensive discipline which has been lacking at Manchester City and I also think that something this is worth noting is that He's won things, and Spurs don't really have a squad full of winners at the moment. And I think that John Stones, you know, bringing bringing numerous Premier League medals to Tottenham with a point to prove is something that's relatively exciting. I don't think it's a bad signing at all. And I also think, you know, it sends the right message that Tottenham are written that want to strive for what John Stones has achieved. So I personally think he was a very young and exciting centre back at Everton. He was linked with Chelsea, went to Man City. It's not been absolutely perfect. Him um, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat what's happened. But I still think Tottenham Hotspur could make John Stones and John. I think the other thing to say is it's mutually beneficial. John Stones would benefit Tottenham and Tottenham would gen- benefit John Stones. I would think that John Stones would play in the Euros if he had a successful season under Mourinho.
1: I agree with that. Um though the other one that's been hanging out there uh, and it's not actually hanging. It actually just happened over the last 24 to 48 hours, but. There ha- this has been a story that probably developed about six months ago is the opportunity for Spurs to uh, uh, sell uh, uh, Sergio Aurier and AC Milan seem to be the team that is really, really interested. And they have been interested in months uh, with the season that Serge uh, Aurier has had. It, would you think that this is probably the right time to sell him or do we need to keep him?
0: No, categorically, it's the correct time to sell him. I'm, I actually think on the right-back issue, we should be giving Carl Walker-Peters another chance at Spurs. We, should, we need to sign another right-back, but he was excellent, Carl Walker-Peters, against Manchester City. He had a really good, positive six months at Southampton. So I think Sergio Reyes should be sold. You know, I personally don't think he's good enough defensively. I think Carl Walker-Peters has got an astute mind for football, needs to bulk up a bit, but I think that would be one of the right-backs that I would keep. I think we should sign another right-back Desperately, but Sergio his time, unfortunately, at Spurs is
1: up. Um, Another rumor that was floating out there, and and my sources confirmed that it was nothing really beyond the rumor, uh, is the idea of uh, Troy Dini, and this this really rumor came out in the last 24 hours, and and I had to check on it really quickly because I think this would be a a really interesting step. Uh, What are your thoughts on the the unrealistic possibility of Troy Deeney coming to back up uh, Harry Kane.
0: I don't mind the signing. I don't think it's the signing of a potential Premier League champions, but Spurs aren't potentially Premier League champions at the moment. So Troy Deeney could drag us up a level. I think that some of the unacceptable performances may not happen with Troy Deeney in and around the squad. I think it's someone that Mourinho could get something out of. I think that you know he brought Samuel to. Chelsea, not necessarily because of you know his ability, but just because he brought something to the dressing room and he brought something to the attitude of the Chelsea. And I could see Troy Deeney doing something the same, and I think also there's been quite a lot of snobbish attitudes uh, surrounding Troy Deeney. But actually, this is a player with numerous years of Premier League experience and aggression that we could see. And if you're a defender and Tottenham, are, you know it's nil nil. And Spurs suddenly have Troy Deeney coming on to partner Harry Kane. I think that's a relatively decent prospect. I don't think it's the solution forever. And I think someone like Callum Wilson, Josh King are better bets. But I you know, Troy Deeney is another option. I don't personally see a problem with it. And I don't think we're at the level where we can just buy another player just because, you know, we're not in the Champions League. You know, Troy Deeney would come hungry with a point to prove to everybody. He doesn't like Arsenal either, which is always a positive. So, you know, I don't I don't see, see it as a huge problem. It's not the perfect signing. It's not my dream signing. But, you know, sometimes you need round pegs and round holes, and Troy Dini definitely is that.
1: So n- now that we've officially kind of entered the, the transfer market, but it's all unofficial, official rumors, really, um, where, where do you see the Spurs team landing as we get ready for a very quick turnaround and start to football because we're about really two, three weeks away. I think that, I mean, I'll, I can give you the team
0: I think that we'll, we'll be lining up with. I think it'll be Hugo Norris. It'll, uh, it'll be a right back that, you know, will come from somewhere. I think probably the French League because Tottenham's like scouting that. I think Ben Davis will be the left back. It'll be Tanganga and Alderweireld probably as the centre-backs maybe. Sanchez and Alvaro, or Dyer and Um I think Hoiberg will eventually come to Spurs. Undombele, Letellier, Bertrand, Son, and Kane. And then I think that the signings will kind of come a bit later. That you know, I think there will be signings at Spurs. I think that you know that squad needs fleshing out. So lots of players need to be sold. I think that you know new players will come in. But I think that you know, in three weeks' time, I can't see the squad going through the transformation that really needs to take place. I still think LaMella needs to be sold amongst others. So I think that you know, eventually this squad will be transformed. I'm not sure Daniel Levy is the man to transform it. But I, I think we'll be OK next season. And I think that there are some exciting young players as well that can help flesh out the squad as well.
1: I would to an extent consider Tanganga coming back and signing a new deal as a new signing, because he really, he, b- between the four, him, uh um, Eric Dyer and Sanchez, I really do think that we have the center back positions solidified, you know, rotating those four uh, into the squad is, is makes me feel comfortable about the center of, of, of the back four. Um, I do agree with you that a right back maybe needs to be signed. Perhaps you give another uh, chance to Kyle Walker Peters, uh, especially in the uh, Europa League qualification matches. Uh, he gains a little bit of you know experience and morale and some some boost, really some positivity. Because I really do think that it would be a a a very 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 disastrous start to the season if um, Spurs do not make the groups of the Europa League. Um, where do you see Spurs realistically by Christmas?
0: I said before I thought we'd be fourth. I think I think we'll be third. I think you know, third or fourth in and around. I think Chelsea are very average under Frank Lampard. I think that, you know, he got a lot of media hype actually. He's produced two seasons that weren't better than his predecessors. Sorry, he won a Europa League and came third. Frank Lampard won nothing and came fourth. And got Christian Pulisic, you know. You know, I don't think that's that impressive. Ole on a soul I'd still ask questions about how great a manager he really is. As Mourinho said before he was Spurs manager, Tottenham should be the third best team in the league at the moment. I don't think we're quite ready to compete with Man City and Liverpool. I think there's enough excitement in the squad that Tottenham will be third by Christmas, fourth by Christmas. I think we might fade away as the season carries on, you know, maybe with one eye on the Europa League as well. I think that eventually Tottenham will morph into the challenges that we want them to be under Jose Mourinho, I think that we are in need of some signings. And the other thing I'd like to say is that not since Rafael Van der Vaart, who was signed for 11 million pounds some some years ago in 2010, have Spurs signed the ready-made product. I think that that's you know the ultimate statement is that we we haven't signed the Devalas, the Coutinho's every year. We just about miss out. I think that under Mourinho, this might be the time to sign someone, just to make a statement. You know, as much as it pains me to say, Arsenal bought Aubameyang and Lacazette within six months of each other. And that's what's transformed, you know, that can transform a football club. Spurs need to sign a ready-made player, but that, that's absolutely what needs to happen. Not, oh, in a year, in two years, it'll be there or thereabouts. You know, the football club should be adult enough to just have a ready-made player. So I think we're well, on the upward trajectory. It was a painful season that ended painfully. I don't think, you know, there's no need to be catastrophizing what might happen. I think we'll be we'll be decent next season.
1: So so speaking of a finished product then, if we had a magic wand and Daniel Levy had your ear and he asked you, what player out there who is a realistic target for a team like Spurs that is ready to go from their current <sighs> place would you go after?
0: Oh, I, I- I always find these questions very tough. I think that my ideal answer is that I think, Holland at Dortmund has got a 45 million pound release clause. I think it'd be unbelievably exciting to have him and Harry Kane up front. But you know we're, we're entering magic one territory with that. I think that Declan Rice as a holding midfielder. Would would really help out as well, and I think that he really is an exciting prospect. And it was not even an exciting; he's beyond an exciting prospect. But if West Ham had gone down, it, w- it was a shame not to not to be able to sign him. I also think that you know one of the players that's going to be cast out by Real Madrid, Jovic, would be a good example. You know, would be someone that would greatly improve Tottenham Hotspur. But, but really, the man, if I had a magic wand. There's talk of Arsenal being offered him for nine million pounds Felipe Coutinho would do an unbelievable job at Tottenham Hotspur, bring magic in his boots. I think teams would fear Spurs with Coutinho in that side, so Coutinho would be my magic one signing. But these signings do exist and I think it's important to highlight that Spurs are big enough you know, to sign these players and Dybala was very close last season. And I think that you know it's the fault of the top that we haven't made these signings, rather than it being impossible for Tottenham Hotspur. This is a massive, massive football club. You know, the club itself states that it's got three million fans in the UK. You know, I put it at upwards of a million. You know, it's the fourth or fifth best supported team in the US. Got a massive presence across the world. Across the world. You know, it's in London. You know, it's, it's enormous. So the football club needs to progress beyond where it is at the moment. And it does need to make statements. I we need someone that gets the fans excited again. And I think after a miserable season, this would be the perfect summer. Can I see it actually happening? No, unfortunately not, but it doesn't mean that it's not the right thing to
1: do. All right. So let's transition really quickly before we finish to the supporter side. Um, I I think personally that the lack of communication from the club versus uh, not just versus the lack of the communication from the club. And then when we do get emails and communication from the club, it's kind of cryptic and and it's not direct. Um, The thoughts about, you know, 20 percent of the season, they're keeping the cash and using that as a down payment for next season is a little bit off to me. Um, But they are working on trying to put, you know, fans in the seats around October. Um, There is a podcast that um, I recorded and I'm going to also produce um, with uh, a friend of mine who is into the logistics of how the Premier League are going to try to bring fans back uh, into play. But the idea is the lack of communication from the club has been upsetting, but obviously we all want to go see games. So what have you heard on your end? What have you been getting in terms of information? And when the door is open, are you going to be eager to go back into the stadium?
0: I mean, the the simplest answer is that I will I will be eager whether it's a home game and a away game. I think that you know I'm privileged enough to have experienced football in the flesh, and that's something I'm absolutely desperate to return to. I think that you know this is maybe the unpopular answer, but football is broken at the moment. They uh you know they if you just take the Manchester City FFP ruling. I think that you know this is worth another podcast with with some other guests alongside me, but you know football isn't for the fan anymore. It's become overwhelmingly corporate, and I think that fans are considered last, and that, especially match going fans. And that's what's been, you know, that's what's been evidenced by the football club at the moment. You know, to pay for a product that I don't know that could be in October, it could be in January, it could be a whole season. To me, that seems ridiculous. You know, it's so a it's a big commitment for me, Tom Watson, so I'm personally not. Not really sure where that came from, but I think it's worth a a much bigger discussion than the answer I can give. I personally think the FFP ruling for Manchester City shows that football is broken. You know, how sky cover football shows that football is broken. And, you know, this whole season ticket and how fans have been treated, I think it's just symptomatic of the fact that, you know, so much of what is great about the game has been lost. And I think that, you know, so many things need to be done to repair it. And that doesn't begin or end with how. Tottenham Hotspur handle the coronavirus because, you know, ultimately, there's nothing that gives me more, ple- you know, nothing gives me more pleasure than following Spurs wherever they go. So, you know, I think that, you know, football's got so many questions to ask itself and I, I hoped that, you know, the economic situation would provide a reality check and fans would be empathised with by football clubs. It doesn't seem to be the case, you know. Sky and BT, you know, upped their bills you know, how much people would have to pay for them you know eventually you know, that's what's been happening year on year they've moved around TV schedules you know, they're not in it for the ordinary fan and that, that's worth a, a much wider discussion but you know the fan has been forgotten here that's that's the beginning and the end of this story
1: that's that's very deep and very profound honestly man Marcus thank you so much for your time today I really appreciate it. I'm pretty sure your views are shared by a lot of the fans out there. If you guys have any questions, questions for me, questions for Marcus, we'll leave our handles on Twitter. Uh, Please throw them our way. And uh, Marcus, uh, I definitely want to do this in the next couple of weeks as we start preparing for our European journey, as they say.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to come on.